Grace and peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This podcast is a sermon on December 29th, 2019. Value Mysterious Love is part five of the five-part worship series, Value Love. The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts of the Apostles, chapter 12, verses 1 through 24. Friends, I want to let you know up front, today's sermon will feature a time of audience participation and sharing. So loosen up, get ready. Some of you will love it. Some of you will not love it. And some of you will secretly love it, but not say so because you'll get too much attention. So heads up, in a few minutes, you're going to write something down and talk to a neighbor about it, and it's going to be okay. Before we get to that weird moment in worship, let's talk about this weird story in the Bible. Peter's escape from prison, it's one of several daring escapes throughout the Acts of the Apostles. It's filled with baffling details and divinely supernatural encounters, and it even has intentional comedy. Yes, the Bible is sometimes funny on purpose. It's true, and that's okay. If you don't believe me, just go to the book of Numbers, chapter 22, verses 21 through 39, and you'll see the prophet Balaam having a very casual conversation with his talking donkey. And if that's still not funny enough to you, think of another word for donkey, then it really gets interesting. This story, it's one of those kind of famous stories from Acts. Has anybody heard this story before with Peter in the chains, some of you? Uh, It's no Pentecost with tongues of fire or Saul struck blind on the road to Damascus, but it's up there, and it's nearly Peter's final appearance in Acts. He's going to have one brief cameo role in Acts 15 at the Council of Jerusalem. But after this week, in the new year, we're going to turn to Saul and his journey to becoming the Apostle Paul for the remainder of Acts. It's a fascinating way to end Peter's role in this early church story, given all that we have experienced of Peter in the Gospels and in Acts so far. This story shows three key pieces that make up who Peter is. Someone with a strong faith, someone with strong questions, and someone with a strong struggle between the two. Think about him. He's the kind of person who says, oh, I'm glad to walk on water to you. Oh, wait, I think I'm drowning. Will you save me? Oh, I'll always be with you. I'll never deny you. Oh, Jesus, who's that? I see this vision of the sheet with all these different animals. You tell me to kill and eat, but I don't get it. Oh, I totally get it now. Did I get it right? Perhaps a strong faith requires strong questions. We've witnessed Peter have proud moments and acts. People at the Pentecost asked him, what does this mean and what should we do? And he steps forward to respond, this is the Spirit and we will work with the Spirit. He's healing and teaching and standing up against authority. He's including the excluded and he's valuing God's expansive love. He forms a team. He builds a church He uh, spreads the gospel, and then something weird happens to him in this story. He doesn't know what to think. The story starts a tragedy. James is murdered by Herod. 
Now that's James of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, those fishermen who helped Peter and his brother Andrew haul in that great catch of fish when they met Jesus for the first time on the beach. So this is one of Peter's oldest friends, those original disciples, has been uh, murdered by the powers that be. And now they're coming for him, too. And this is what desperate despots do. They assassinate a minor leader, and then they see how the crowd responds. And if they like it, then they go after the major leaders and really get the crowd riled up. So Peter's thrown into prison, and he's chained up, and he's locked up, and there's guards inside his cell, and there's guards outside of his cell, and they're all under the order of yet another King Herod. And like the Herods before and the Herods after him, he's a scoundrel. And when all hope is lost, an angel of the Lord helps him escape, and the chains fall off his wrist, and his guards stay asleep, and his gate up to his cell opens, and he walks past the guards who never see him, and then the iron gate out of the city opens up. And this whole time it's happening, he doesn't believe it. He thinks, oh, this is just a vision. Is this real life? Is this just fantasy? It takes him being 100% on the other side of the ordeal. In a moment, when the angels leave him into a moment alone with his thoughts, that's when he realizes it was real. Something happened. And God saw me through it. Now, it's a funny story because after all he's seen and heard and done and proclaimed about God, after all of that, throughout all those Gospels and Acts, now he's having a real moment of doubt. He thinks, is this really happening? Is God really at work in my life? Hmm, I gotta think about that. And he's not the only one who's skeptical. When he gets to the house where his friends are, he knocks, and Rhoda comes to answer, and she finds out it's him, and she's so excited it's him, she doesn't let him in. And she goes and she tells their, her, their friends that it's him, and they promptly dismiss her, saying it isn't him. Oh, you're out of your mind, they say. Wait, wait a second, Rhoda. You mean to tell me the guy that we've been praying for all night to be released from prison was somehow released from prison? Good one, Rhoda. This scene kind of plays out like a vaudevillian routine, too, with the knocking and the back and the forth. Who's there? Peter. How'd he get there? I don't know. Third base. When they finally open the gate, however, they see their friend, and they know God has done something amazing. They rejoice. They spread the word. And then Herod just wrings his hands like the villain he is, foiled again by Jesus and those no-good apostles. Earlier, I wondered out loud if a strong faith requires strong questions. Put another way, does belief leave room for doubt? I admit that there are parts of the story that still have me perplexed. Now, from a strictly historical point of view, like in a did this factually actually happen historical point of view, I'm kind of with Peter for a little bit. Did it really happen this way? Like, figuratively, I get his release and escape from prison. But literally, is this how it happened? And if so, I want that to literally happen all the time. And I want to know, well, why doesn't it work like that for people who are unjustly in prison today? Why doesn't an angel rescue someone out of abusive relationships? Literally like that. 
why doesn't God send angels to put guards uh, who hard, hoard resources to sleep so that people with no means get a chance to get ahead? I want that to literally happen all the time. The whole thing sometimes seems far-fetched. Now, many of you know that a big piece of my faith journey is that I was once an atheist as a young adult. And I did not believe any of this. Uh, I, I was told in my early 20s when I got to college of a vision of God that seemed very punitive and petty, and I saw the horrors of petulant, judgmental, if not outright hateful Christians, and I thought, no thanks. That's God? That's the church? I don't think so. And I heard Bible stories with fantastic, unrealistic things in them, and I thought, right. My atheism was filled with strong questions and little room for faith. And that's how I liked it for a long time. Now, to be clear, not every person who would proclaim themselves as an atheist has the same kind of atheism that I did. Okay? There's many kinds of atheism as there are atheists, kind of like how we as Christians are all a little different too, right? So my journey out of atheism and into being a person of faith is a long story, but I will say this. It took me being 100% on the other side of it in a moment of being alone with my thoughts to realize what happened. That something happened, that God had seen me through it that whole time. God was with me on my journey the entire time, and even when my questions were framed as pessimistic and cynical and spiteful. One of the biggest things that happened in my journey wasn't dropping questions, but picking up a new framework around them. A strong faith requires strong questions. Now here's a truth that you may or may not know. Not everyone here gets the whole faith thing 100% of the time. I don't know if you knew that. Some of you are smiling because you did know that. In fact, it's very likely that we all have questions of faith every once in a while. Some of us might hear fantastical Bible stories and think, right. Some of us hear healing stories and wonder, well, why her and not him? Some of us think of God and wonder, yeah, but how can we really know? Many of you have asked very strong questions of faith in the Bible studies I've been a part of here or in the meet and greets or just one-on-one -on -one as we're talking. This is a wondering church, my friends, and that's a gift. We're going to exercise that gift of wonder together. So this is that interactive part of the sermon I was talking about. I invite you to take out your bulletin and you'll see there's a blank space there toward the end of the order of worship. And I'm going to ask you to take, I'm going to give you 60 seconds, to write down a question that you've ever had about faith. Maybe you don't have the question anymore, you've kind of found a good response in your heart, but maybe it's a question that you still have. Any question you have about faith or God or the Bible or church, maybe it's a term definition. What, what is the kingdom of heaven? What does amen even mean? What is an Ebenezer, and why am I supposed to raise it in that song? 
Maybe it's a question of faith. Uh, why is forgiveness so hard? Why pray? What happens when we die? Does it matter if I'm spiritual but not religious? Maybe it's a question about God. How do I know what God is like? Will God forgive me? Maybe it's a question about the Bible. Did Jonah really get swallowed by a whale? What about Noah and then dinosaurs and timelines? Uh, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? That'll keep you awake at night. <laughs> Whatever your question is, it's yours, and I will not judge you for it. So I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Please write down at least one question of faith you've ever had in your life, and we'll come back together for a little sharing. Okay. Looks like you're ready. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment to turn to a neighbor and share something that we wrote down. So hopefully you're sitting with somebody you trust, or you can at least get to know somebody. But we're all going to offer somebody a bonus Christmas gift, and that is a gift of love that is born through what's called mutual vulnerability. We will all hold each other dear with these questions. So take a brief moment to share with each other what's something that you wrote down. Okay, uh, I found that about 35% of my job as a pastor is starting and then interrupting excellent conversation. So I'm going to bring you back together. Uh, so thank you so much for being bold enough to share with somebody your questions. You're bold to write it down. That's a form of articulation. You are bold to share it. Uh, that's a form of vulnerability. So I'm going to ask uh, a couple brave souls to see, is there anybody who would share one of their questions with the entire gathered body? I'll, share, I'll start with mine. I'll, I'll model it. Uh, one of my questions to this day remains, when it comes to Scripture and reading it and interpreting it, how do I know what to take literally, and how do I know what to take figuratively? There are days I still don't know on different passages. It's very hard. So, anybody else? Yeah, Sharon. So a scientific mind and then faith. How do we reconcile those? Yeah, can they be together as opposed to opposed? Yeah. Can we get two more? Yeah, David. Does God have intermediaries whom we can talk with? Does God have intermediaries to whom we can talk with? Hmm. Hopefully a few of them are here, in a way. Can we get one more? Go ahead. Go ahead, Wayne. I see if I can paraphrase that into the mic. So if somebody is um, ready to sacrifice their safety because uh, someone else is being nasty to them, do you need to step up to that same nastiness to get them to stop? Mm. Ah, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer who plotted to kill Hitler. Yes. That's a big question. Yes. So how does he love Adolf Hitler while also deciding assassination might be the only way to go on this? Yeah. Sandra, what was your question, buddy? Where is God? Wow, that is probably the biggest question we could possibly have at any given moment. 
Now, here's the thing about all these questions, and thank you for them. Hold on to them. Keep praying on them. I'd love to hear from more of you. Uh, but remember, if, if you ever thought, oh, I can't have a question like that because any kind of questions, that means I'm not fully believing or I don't have a strong enough faith. Remember Peter, Simon Peter, this rock of the early church. He doesn't always get it. Still, even in this story, as he's being led out of prison, he doubts and he wonders. There are three phrases that can really serve our faith well. I don't know can serve your faith well. I am open can really serve your faith well. And let's wonder together can really serve your faith and your church very well. This church values the journey. It values tough questions, and it values wondering together. If you want certainty, Christianity doesn't have much to offer you. If you want assurance that you are not alone in this, that God is with you in mystery, that your journey matters to God, then welcome home. Over the last few months, I've said that we're looking back at the early church so that we can see the kind of church we are now and the kind of church God calls us to be in the future. And when we look back at this early church, we see a church that is hungry for meaning and prepared to do the hard work of repentance and refinement, and they're excited to take action. And we also see a church that is still figuring it out along the way. And God willing, maybe we are still the early church going into 2020 and far, far beyond. So may we be strong in faith, strong in questions, and strong in our mutual support of each other and into the mystery that is the love of Jesus, a mystery that frees us even when we can't believe it's happening. May it be so, and amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Copyright 2019. Now go into God's world knowing you are a beloved child and bear witness to the love of God so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.